Hey y'all, welcome back to this week's episode of Venture Pill. I'm back with Brandon and eager to get into today's startups. Quickly wanted to welcome any new listeners that may have heard about us from my recent viral Twitter thread. Thanks so much for tuning in. Yes, welcome indeed. Glad to be alongside you once again, Sam. And we've got some great stories to cover today. So we're going to start you all off with a quick update on some major moves being made by the New York Stock Exchange. Then we'll dive into a discussion about Spoke, a pre-seed startup combining music with neuroscience to address mental health. And next up, you'll hear about Kid Cudi's new startup, the Encore Studio app, providing an avenue for artists to host augmented reality concerts. Encore, encore. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on. We will also talk about a French startup called Boxy that is repurposing shipping containers as small convenience store pods. Wee wee. And to wrap up the show, we'll we'll dive into Helium, which recently raised a giant $200 million Series D to further disrupt internet service providers through a blockchain-based incentive model. All right, Venture Pilgrims, time for this week's dose. Let's get into it. You see here, kid? You gotta just go for it. Don't think about what comes after or what came before. You just gotta bend your knees, take a deep breath, and jump. This is Venture Pill with your hosts, Sam and Brandon. We're here to prescribe you your weekly dose of venture capital and startup news to keep you informed in the evolving world of venture. In breaking news, just a a fun little tidbit that Sam and I wanted to share with our listeners, the New York Stock Exchange actually filed a trademark for an NFT marketplace, something which is sure to disrupt some giants like OpenSea, which we touched up on last episode, actually. Uh, The filing was actually submitted on February 10th, and surprisingly, this is not the New York Stock Exchange's first dive into the NFT space, no. In spring of 2021, the exchange actually minted six NFTs of prominent tech companies like Spotify, DoorDash, Snowflake, Roblox, and others. So it seems like that initial move with NFTs was kind of like a blip on the radar compared to this. Like those NFTs were literally just six. This is a whole different deal Right. with a full marketplace. I mean, New York Stock Exchange is a premier, I mean, they're kings of marketplace. 100%, so, gold standard. Indeed. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how they end up competing, maybe working alongside some of the existing marketplaces like OpenSea, as you mentioned. Right. And just to, just to track back, those, those initial NFTs actually were never even sold. They were gifted back to the respective companies, so Spotify and Roblox. So it wasn't really even a marketplace at the time. But to backtrack a little, so they just applied for a trademark, and that's obviously quite a, it can take quite a while to actually materialize to become an NFT marketplace. But still, Sam and I thought this would be very cool to highlight for everyone because it shows that the New York Stock Exchange, which again is one of the titans of stock exchanges, (laughs) uh, has its eyes on the lucrative Web3 space. And while we dove even deeper into this, we realized that there are a couple empires in this 21st century that are also jostling for some space in the metaverse, including McDonald's, 
for metaverse restaurants. I don't exactly know <laughs> how you would eat a virtual French fry, but that remains to be seen. As well as Disney for metaverse theme parks. That and makes sense. Even New Balance for virtual clothing, footwear, and sporting goods. Yeah, definitely. In other news, sort of our first company of this episode, uh, we found, thanks to Z Founder, did want to give Z Founder a shout out. Big shout out. That's Z F O U N D R. Uh, we can put it in the show notes, but these guys, Aaron and Elian, couple of students at Yale put together a weekly newsletter highlighting Gen Z related startups. Awesome and newsletter. So, yeah, fantastic. Highly recommended. They've been growing it fast. Congrats to them. But yeah, we, we look at we look at that every week and this one really stood out to me. Spoke. Uh, it is a London based platform that provides therapy through music. So the company produces in house music to help young men with mindfulness. So it's kind of like this blend of a music platform with like a calm, kind of a mindfulness app, but it's addressing this gap where most of those mindfulness tech apps like Calm are mainly targeting women and older women. And there's certainly a gap in the space for younger men. Uh, They cite in the article, the founder cites that 80% 80% of suicides in the U.S. and the U.K. are, are males. Um, and so there's a big, big gap to be addressed there in male mental health. Especially the younger generation wants something that's targeted to them. I feel like what the offerings right now in mental health are kind of more blanketed. Right. A broad approach to mental health. But I think there's something to be said for a targeted approach. And so they, they worked with a bunch of psychologists, therapists, and neuroscientists to actually produce the therapeutic music in genres like rap. So, you know, what the kids are listening to. <laughs> I love <laughs> so, that. Yeah. And uh, so it seems cool. I actually listened to a couple of them. It was, it was good music, but it's supposed to really help with mindfulness and just a cool way to, to package that rather than in, in your typical formats like meditation apps and, and things like that. Yeah, so to set the record straight, I love those meditation apps, um, Calm and Headspace. So I was a little surprised to read that those are largely used by women over the age of 25, because I'm a big fan. But what I really love about this project is I just, you know, I hope I don't come across as biased here, but I feel like men's health and mental health in general have been swept under the rug for so long. I feel like recently there's been a lot of mindfulness around this kind of stuff. So mindfulness around mindfulness. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so it's great to see yet another continuation of this trend. And for me, I'm just, I, I'd love to start listening to some of these songs because I love rap music, but the state of current rap music, I wouldn't say is very mindful. So I hope that Fair. they can yeah. kind of find that common ground. And that would be something I'd be interested in listening to as well as or instead of a calm or headspace guided meditation app. Yeah, and I like the way the founding partner at Ada Ventures, it might be ADA, a UK-based venture firm, he said, Spoke's unique product combines music and rap with neuroscience to create a meditation product which is effective at reducing anxiety and depression. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. I mean, to, to accomplish that, and I read a little bit of the backstory on the founder. One of the founders did thousands of hours of research, mm-hmm. kind of motivated behind some personal connections 
which committed suicide. And um, I think it's a really cool motivation behind the company. They're certainly pretty early stage, but hopefully this capital provides them, you know, with a little bit of runway to get it out there and gather feedback as, as any startup should gather that feedback and see how it sticks, see, see if people actually like it. Yeah, I definitely think they're addressing a big gap and there's definitely a large total market for this kind of product. Why don't you get into the specifics of how much they actually raised and what round and all that good yeah, stuff? Yeah, so it is a pre-seed round. It's 1.5 million. If you are in the UK, that's right around 1.1 million pounds. <laughs> uh, but we're, we're talking in dollars here. Led by Ada Ventures, a pre-seed round, certainly certainly one that I want to follow along with. I hadn't heard anything about them until Z Founders, so that should be cool to just see if they get to a, a seed round and then a Series A moving forward here. Yeah, and I know you know, Sam, and a bunch of my dear friends know how into British rap music I am, <laughs> actually. And I saw that there's a lot of British rappers on the casting card for this app right now so i'm very excited to actually again listen to that music and reminds me of a specific rapper dave who's killing it in the british rap scene he's not one of those rappers who's going to talk about cars and jewelry and all these flashy superficial things he really is not afraid to discuss at in front of millions of millions of people all these mental health issues he's going through and his family is going through and he just keeps it real I'm thinking there's a potential partnership there. We got to <laughs> get him on the on the staff. Wow. Get some mindfulness songs on there. I'm going to see him in concert in a few months, okay, so maybe you let I'll him know. yeah, I'll bring a venture pill flag or something. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you wanted to tell us a little bit more about Encore Studio app, uh, right. Kid Cudi's recent startup. Right. So first, this is a new app called Encore Studio. It was co-founded by Kid Cudi, and so it recently raised $9 million in seed funding, which put it at a $34 million post-money valuation. And basically what Encore Studio actually is, is a platform for artists to perform in AR, so augmented reality concerts, for their fans. And I think the first time I heard about something like this, or what this reminds me of at least, is uh, that Fortnite concert that went on about two years ago, I want to say, which was with Travis Scott and literally crashed Fortnite for a little bit in terms of how popular it was. And I know that there's been a lot of other big concerts in the VR and AR space since. And so according to Kid Cudi, this platform will give artists the tools and tech to tell their story, release new music, and host conversations and interactive experiences with their fans. I really like how this app shifts the power more to the artist to be able to control their story, their narrative, and their relationship with their fans. It's not a, they're not going through like a concert booking agency or anything like that. They can control and set their own schedule and agenda with it. It does remind me of Peaks, which we covered last week. Right. Similarly providing that ownership of their image, their story to the athletes. Similarly now with musical artists, mm -hmm. For concerts, I think it's a it's a great idea. Uh, the funding was led by Battery Ventures, along with some other investments from Four Six Eight Capital, Moving Capital, Kayak Ventures. The other interesting thing I wanted to note was this idea of gamified microtransactions. Buzz, buzz, <laughs> buzz. That's not even a buzzer. Microtransactions. Um, that's that's a good one. No. Uh, so <laughs> apparently they have what's something what's called. 10 cent clapping, 
uh, which will allow artists to monetize their concert experience. Right. I'm, I'm thinking, does that mean you have to pay 10 cents every time you want to clap at the show? Like maybe 10 uh, cents gets you unlimited clapping abilities. I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to look into that more. But uh, you know, th- I think this is an overarching trend with virtual reality. I myself am kind of in the VR space with interplay learning. I think we'll do a deeper dive on interplay at another episode, but. We're seeing a lot of adoption with VR, with the Oculus headsets, you know, investment from Apple and Google continuing, and, and obviously Facebook or Meta. Meta. I should, yeah, sorry. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. All that to say, you know, I think they're on the right side of a, a big tailwind in, in the VR, AR trend. And not to mention the aspects of COVID with the way concerts were just taken away from us. Had this been around, it would have been a great way for artists to continue connecting with their fans. So true. And I, I think an idea like this was honestly born out of necessity just because both creators of music and their loyal fans both kind of suffered from what the pandemic did to the live music industry, amongst other things. And I really like, and you mentioned how it's similar to Peaks, but I kind of like how this loops uh, musicians and artists into the creator economy to cut out that third party middleman, whether that's a live booking agency or a manager or anything like that and again just levels the playing field and makes it a little bit better for both the fans and the actual creator of the content. Definitely. Uh, Well the next startup I wanted to talk about was a company out of France called Boxy. Uh, Boxy recently raised a 28 million dollar Series A led by a French firm Serena Capital. Maybe it's Serena Capital. but. That's coming off of about a year ago, a $5 million seed round. So to me, that indicates pretty fast growth. And what the company does is they create small convenience stores that are open 24-7, made out of recycled shipping containers. It doesn't get more convenient than 24-7. No, it doesn't. No, it does not. Uh, The shoppers can enter with the QR code, and they utilize smart sensors and cameras along with an app so that there are no cashiers, no lines. They want it to be as seamless a shopping experience as possible. You can go in there whenever you want. The only limiting factor is the inventory. So they have 250 or so products that are in each pod. These are common foods, convenience items, mm-hmm. hygiene type, you know, things you might find. Classic gas station. Gas station, yep. yeah, yeah. No, what's, your, what's your favorite gas station item? I'm going to go off the beaten path and say coconut water. Ooh. Isn't that weird? Healthy. Yeah. Electrolytes. Nothing hydrates better. But okay. um, just to expand upon you know this great company that we're, we're talking about, Boxy, they have quite the rapid expansion plan mapped out here. So they're planning on opening 1,000 stores by 2025 and trying to double their headcount by the end of 2022. So that will move them from 50 employees to 100 employees just by the end of 2022. And we also read when we were digging in a little deeper that they actually plan on opening a new box every single week of 2022, which is, again, lofty expectations all around for Boxy. Yeah, uh, but seemingly, I think this, this is kind of the cool part of the business model is it's a scalable solution. As long as, and I'm sure there's plenty of shipping containers to go around. Right. Uh, enough so to build bars in Austin on Rainy Street. <laughs> uh, shout out Container Bar. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but, but actually it's a scalable part of their model 
that allows them to repeat this solution. All they need to do is get the shipping container outfitted. I imagine that they, they're getting that down pat now with economies of scale. Uh, and then all they have to do is find some empty spot, a 20 by 40 foot space, whatever it is, probably smaller. And then it runs by itself. I, I imagine it just needs an AC unit, your refrigeration, electricity, and that's it. Right. I mean, also cameras and sensors, I'd assume, all over the place. But nonetheless, this is actually something I've already taken notice of in a few major airports within the United States. It's actually very weird because you scan your credit card to walk in and they open the turnstile for you. And then you go in, get your classic pre-flight snacks. You know, we're so trained to walk up to a cash register and pay for our items. Like, you just walk out and I'm like looking over my shoulder trying to tell if I'm going to get caught for shoplifting or robbing or something. So it's a very novel experience, but I think what we both like about Boxy is that they really know how to think outside of the Boxy. (laughs) We're inside of it. I mean, okay, yeah. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Um, No, but I think it's worth mentioning also that there's big companies in the space. Amazon and Whole Foods come to mind. I remember seeing stuff about this like a few years back that Mm -hmm. Amazon's been working on smart checkout, smart cart technology. So this isn't a new idea, but I think the way they're packaging it and the way they're thinking outside the box, inside the box, is incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I think this specific application of this concept that, as you mentioned, has been around for a little while is is really cool. But I think, yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for the fact that we've heard about the tech but it hasn't been implemented successfully, at least in our daily lives. I haven't come across this airport one. Seemingly, it's easier to implement in a smaller setting. So this box, this small airport uh, type walk-in, it makes a lot more sense to be able to implement without having the shoplifters or issues, a much more controlled experience rather than a full grocery store, which I'm sure will happen in the future. But I think the technology is probably ready for this smaller model. Right. Makes sense. Easier to scale at this smaller container box sizing. Yeah. And then that transitioned us to our last startup of today's episode, which is actually Helium. Helium actually launched back in summer of 2019, but it just recently raised a $200 million Series D, which put it at a post-money valuation of $1.4 billion with a with B. A B. <laughs> Sam, we've got another unicorn. We've got a B. <laughs> so yeah, basically Helium is a global distributed network of hotspots that creates public, long-range wireless coverage for Internet of Things devices. So according to the website, these hotspots provide connectivity 200 times farther than traditional Wi-Fi and only 50 to 100 hotspots would be needed to provide coverage for an entire city. Yeah, and new investors include Tiger Global, big name you're seeing a lot. They're investing crazy amounts of money very fast. Not surprising to see them. FTX Ventures, and then also with follow-on investments from Kosla Ventures, GC and Multicoin Capital, and Austin local crypto Web3 focused firm So a great list there. It's interesting to note also, I wanted to bring this up. Last summer, Andreessen Horowitz led an $111 million token sale for Helium's token called HNT. It remains to be seen how much institutional interest there will be in this token. And we could dive in deep down this rabbit hole, but uh, 
you know, this blending of Web3 and venture capital, which we bring up seemingly every episode, <laughs> but a different aspect of it that we haven't talked about yet is raising money through tokens rather than traditional venture capital methods through, you know, a regular round. And VC firms like A16Z are getting into this. I haven't learned too much about it, but maybe we'll do a deeper dive on raising through tokens, still with traditional VCs involved. So I think that actually highlights kind of the evolution of VC and at least within the crypto space. But to take it back to Helium itself, in some pretty big news, back in September of 2021, San Jose became the very first city to officially join the rapidly expanding ecosystem of Helium and use Helium to increase internet access for more than 1,300 low-income families. As of today, there are 593,000 hotspots and counting. Yeah, and I think it's important to mention now how this kind of technology works. And neither Brandon nor myself will act like we're experts in this. <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, it, it is incredible technology. It seems very complicated. But to try to summarize it best, they use a proof of coverage model, an algorithm that rewards users for verifying the coverage. So similar to what you might find in other types of cryptocurrencies, like proof of stake, proof of work, where there's different participants verifying that the network is valid. I, I don't really know exactly how it works, but I assume this is kind of similar in that there are a bunch of participants that verify the hotspots. And these hotspots are significantly less energy intensive than traditional counterparts because they utilize radio wave technology. So. They're combining this crypto nature with radio wave technology, and I think it's a really cool angle at providing widely available internet to the masses. And you may be wondering why Helium over our traditional internet providers like Comcast or AT&T, anything like that. Um, So there are a couple intrinsic advantages that come with the Helium network. One of them being that Helium is fully encrypted, kind of the standard blockchain package that encrypted (laughs) Um, but that encryption provides a high degree of security with and obviously in today's internet there's so many phishing and not to I don't want to bring in nfts and phishing and everything that's been going on there but it's so easy to hack our traditional internet service providers these days and websites so helium provides an extra layer of security for its users uh, as well as that's only at a fraction of the cost that classic cellular data would would cost And additionally, users only pay based on their actual data usage. So you're not paying for 100 gigs a month. You only pay for what you actually use, which I think is a good way of going about how you should pay for your data usage. Some other notable news for Helium is that they actually recently partnered with Dish, which is everyone's favorite nationwide provider of internet (laughs) connectivity, to expand Helium's 5G coverage. So as Sam stated, currently Helium works on the internet of things. So that only really transmits data from things like smart dog collars and smart scooters that we see all over the place in Austin. But this partnership with Dish maybe signals things to come to provide strong, reliable data throughout the world, really. Yeah, and I think you know the combination of that partnership with Dish alongside this massive fundraising round the Series D at $200 million. I imagine they'll just be putting that towards expansion efforts across the world and penetrating markets and seeing what kind of market share that they can get. 
I mean, at the end of the day, it just comes down to does the Wi-Fi work reliably and is it cheap for these lower-income areas, these areas that don't have good access to Internet already? And I guess it remains to be seen how well they can execute on that vision. Right. And you and I love talking about disruption and these traditional institutions that are due for some disruption, like VHO with the classic mail service that we covered last week. Mm-hmm. So don't you think that the classic internet service providers are pretty overdue for some yeah. disruption? No, yeah, I think you're definitely right. This is another industry that's ripe for that disruption. And as much as we love talking about disruption, sadly, it's time to disrupt this week's episode of, <laughs> yeah, of The Venture Pill. As always, thank you to our listeners. Signing off. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for your next dose of startups and venture capital on Venture Pill. She told me that she only bumps my music when she's lonely. Thinks my vibe's a little low key, okie dokie. That's alright, but.